How's it going, everybody? It's your boy, David Hoffman, back for another episode of Behind the Catch Fence. It's episode 14. It's been a little bit since the last episode. I believe it's probably been since September, and I believe that was the... Oh, boy, what race was that? I don't even remember. But anyway, I am back officially. Gonna start cranking out some uh, episodes every single race weekend, and this should be a great time. Uh, Before I begin, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to No Copyright Music on YouTube. They're the ones creating the music that I'm playing. It's obviously no copyright music, so it's free. I'd like to thank you guys for that. With me being a broke college student, I'm grateful for you guys. Go subscribe to them. No copyright music. On today's packed episode of Behind the Catch Fence, since, you know, we've missed a whole lot of information and, you know, a whole off-season of silly season and all this other good stuff. So I have a lot to cover, including all the driver and team changes, the exciting news with legendary owner Roger Penske, and my bold predictions for the 2020 NTT IndyCar Series season. This little update, St. Petersburg has officially been announced for March 13th through the 15th, and we're a little bit over a month away from that now, so it's starting to get a little exciting. And the open test at Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, will be happening next weekend on Tuesday and Wednesday, so we have that to look forward to as well. And now let's look at the upcoming season. Now, the big question is, could 2020 be the most competitive IndyCar championship battle in years? I believe it absolutely could. Now, looking back at the last three seasons, which saw seven different winners in 2019, eight in 2018, and 10 in 2017, the trend of pure domination in the sport seems to be beginning to close up a bit more. Last season, Joseph Newgarden was unstoppable, and nobody was going to even remotely come close enough to mount a challenge especially with his average finish at the end of the season being a whopping 5.6. Now, domination from all three drivers at Team Penske is going to be expected, especially with the skills that Simon Pagano, Will Power, and Joseph Newgarden possess. However, I believe we're starting to near the point where the young up-and-coming drivers of the sport are closing the gap, and every team is steadily making strides to narrow that margin to the superstar teams in Penske and Chip Ganassi Racing. The talent level that IndyCar currently has in the series is off the charts and at an all-time high. Looking at a brief overview of the driver lineup this season, let's look at all the possible contenders. Besides Team Penske drivers in Newgarden, Power, and Pagano, the next driver you have to look at is obviously the five-time champion, the Iceman Scott Dixon. At 39 years old, Dixon is nowhere near slowing down. In fact, he just might be a tick better than he ever has been. We know he's going to win a couple races, and he's going to be consistently fighting up until the end. That's a given. His teammate Felix Rosenquist will also be a factor in the title hunt as well. I'll elaborate on that a little bit more later on in this episode. After finishing 6th in points last year, Rosenquist is ready to take that next step to not only winning races, but contending for a championship. Then you move over to Andretti Autosport. You got Alexander Rossi, the daredevil that he is, or as I like to call him, Iron Gonads. He's going to be a serious threat as usual. And if you guys are kind of wondering, what the heck is he talking about with Iron Gonads? Well, you guys should go back and uh, listen to a couple more of these episodes from previous uh, episodes before. But anyway, Rossi's teammate, Ryan hunter is also in this conversation. hunter has won a championship before and an Indy 500. If he's able to be consistent, there's no reason he can't be in the mix. We also have to look at the newest member to Andretti Autosport in Colton Herta. The 19-year-old burst onto the scene last season, notching two wins and earning Rookie of the Year honors. With a full year under his belt and a full offseason at Andretti, he'll be a dark horse contender to swipe a championship away. 
Then we moved to Ray Hall, Leatherman, Lanigan Racing with Graham Ray Hall and Takuma Sato. Ray Hall's had an up and down past couple seasons, and he has all the talent in the world to make a run at the championship. It wasn't too long ago that Ray Hall was competing for a championship against Scott Dixon and Juan Pablo Montoya back in 2015. Now on the flip side, you got Takuma Sato. He's on the top of his game right now, even being at the age of 43. Sato's no attack, no chance motto is what drives him, and we know he's going to make every lap of every single race an absolute thriller. If Sato can gain some consistency, there's no reason he can't rip off a couple wins and be in the title chase. I'm going to throw one more name out there that has a shot at the IndyCar title, and that's second-year driver Santino Ferrucci. The kid can flat-out wheel an IndyCar, and he showed so many flashes of pure brilliance last season as a rookie. He was close multiple times of sealing the victory, but it was never meant to be. If Ferrucci is able to build momentum off of his stellar 2019 campaign, you have to add him into the mix of possible 2020 champions. That's 11 drivers I just named off. That's how stacked and deep this 2020 NTT IndyCar Series season is. To put it lightly, I'm feeling a little bit giddy just thinking about the season. The bottom line is this. The racing is as competitive as it's ever been. The talent in the series is as good as it's been in quite some time. I firmly believe that fans will be in for a real treat for the entirety of the season, all the way up to the finale at Laguna Seca. Strap in, everybody. The 2020 NTT IndyCar Series is going to be monumental like nothing we've seen in ages. Oh yeah, that feels good to add that sound in again. Man, I am all hyped up for this. But next segment we got is going into the news pile. Roger Penske officially buys both IndyCar and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, as well as IMS Productions. This was first announced back in November, and it only took two months to finalize. Then it was made official on January 6th. Penske has already surveyed the entire property of of IMS several times, and he's begun cleanup work around the entirety of the track. Because there's been a lot of just random debris that, you know, track officials in the past just haven't bothered to clean up because, you know, it's a huge racetrack to begin with. Two and a half miles, that's hard to kind of cover every single little bit of ground on that. One of the big questions that was asked is whether or not there would be automatic entries for the Indy 500 going forward, especially after Penske had mentioned last season that he was in favor of it. However, he did say that there won't be any automatic entries and that the same format of racing your way in will stay put. According to the Indy Star, Penske plans to spend several millions of dollars in upgrades prior to the Indy 500 in May. And those upgrades were not disclosed at this very moment, but we should be able to hear something here soon, maybe in March or April. Penske has stated in a press conference that he is committed to giving the fans a better guest experience. What we do know is that Penske is eyeing an upgrade and where else but the bathrooms. IMS is looking to get rid of those old style of bathrooms that the track currently has, which includes those infamous men's bathroom troughs. But I remember going to the Indy 500 back in 2017, and man, the first thing you, you know, my dad and I walk in, we're like, oh, this is just like any other, you know, small town track, like a dirt track, wherever else, like, you're not going you're not going to a proper racetrack unless they have the old style men's bathroom trough. So those are going to bring back memories. Sad to see them go, but not really cuz that's a little weird. 
But anyway, I'm beyond excited to see what all Roger Penske is going to do with not only the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but with IndyCar as a whole. As a widely successful businessman, Penske's very smart and quick to action when he sees an opportunity to improve in any area. Since the 2016 season, where the 100th running of the Indy 500 saw a rating of 3.9, which is about 6 million viewers on television, and a literal sellout crowd of 350 plus thousand fans attending in person, the series has been on a serious uptick in popularity. CEO of IndyCar Mark Miles said that, There's no question we have great momentum now. Every fan metric shows growth. We've kept our traditional longtime fans, and we're growing the fan base and adding younger fans all the time. Future for IndyCar hasn't looked this bright in years, and Racer Magazine's Robin Miller stated in an article that Penske buying IndyCar and IMS is the biggest news and best news he's witnessed in his 50 years of covering the sport. Two of the most glaring things that need to be addressed in the sport is this, make IndyCar relevant in the sports world again and secure a third manufacturer. Roger Penske has a master plan to do all of that and a heck of a lot more to bring the sport back to its heydays in the 90s, where he helped form CART and make it the most popular division of racing in North America during that time. In 5 to 10 years, I have a feeling IndyCar is going to be surpassing the struggling series in NASCAR and retake its rightful place as the most popular form of auto racing. IndyCar has not had any problems with the new aero screen that will be implemented going forward. And honestly, I'm starting to love the new design, especially when teams add the car's livery to help it blend in more. It just looks sleek overall, and you can't go wrong with more safety. Drivers haven't had any complaints, and the majority have stated that they don't really notice it once they get into a zone. So I'm excited to see, you know, just with the aero screen now, and then going forward with the 2021 car, when they're able to kind of implement it more and make it look just more natural instead of just slapping on an aero screen on the current body of the car. So it should look a heck of a lot better going forward in 2021. Moving on, the Australian V8 Supercars driver Scott McLaughlin will make his IndyCar debut for Team Penske at the GMR Grand Prix of Indianapolis. On Wednesday, it was announced that the two-time Australian Supercars champion will run the number two Chevrolet, bumping three-time Indy 500 winner and fan favorite Elio Castroneves out of that seat. Castroneves will now only compete in the 104th running of the Indy 500. McLaughlin will participate in the open test at Circuit of the Americas next week. In a test last month at Sebring, McLaughlin was able to quickly adapt to driving an IndyCar for the first time as he was able to turn pretty competitive laps against other newcomers in the sport, including Oliver Askew, Sage Karam, and Renus VK. McLaughlin comes over from Australia after dominating the V8 Supercar Series, winning the last two championships for DJR Team Penske, and in three seasons with the team, he's notched 35 wins and 44 poles. McLaughlin will be the first driver to make their first career American open-wheel debut by Team Penske in over 20 years. This move by Team Penske is very intriguing, and I'm interested to see where this ends up going forward. McLaughlin's test at Sebring back in January came out of the blue. However, it sounds like he was able to adapt just to driving an IndyCar fairly quickly as he turned more than 100 laps during his test. Roger Penske just doesn't randomly have tests like this, and I believe he's starting to look ahead to the distant future what his driver lineup might look like. For starters, at 28 years old, Joseph Newgarden, he ain't going anywhere. He'll be driving in a Team Penske car for at least the next 10 years. 
With two championships in three years, along with 11 wins during that time frame, he's one of the top talents IndyCar has seen in recent memory. Going into last season, Simon Pagenaud's time with Penske was a bit murky at first, with the team not verbally committing to him long term. However, after Pagenaud's sweep of the month of May, Penske gave the 35-year-old driver a multi-year extension. We should see Pagano staying put in the number 22 for at least two more years. Now comes the interesting part, which is the man, the myth, the legend, Will Power. The Australian had a tumultuous 2019 season with six finishes outside the top 10, and costly driver errors kept him from being in the title hunt. At 38 years old, Power is the elder statesman for Team Penske. Power's contract will be up soon, and unless Penske decides to field four full-time cars in 2021, Power could be that guy out the door if he doesn't have a stellar 2020 season. Per Motorsports insider Adam Stern, Honda Japan vetoed Andretti Autosports Indy 500 effort with Formula One legend Fernando Alonso. Alonso was near a deal with the team in early December. Honda looked to their brand headquarters in Tokyo ahead of the announcement for clearance. However, they were promptly shut down. With the breakdown of McLaren-Honda partnership this past season in Formula One, and with Alonso cutting ties with McLaren after missing the Indy 500, it leaves a big gap in where the two-time Formula One champion can land come May. Reports are surfacing now that Honda Japan only stalled the situation, however, and it's not a definite no just yet. And multiple reports have suggested that Alonso will only run the Indy 500 with a competitive, winning car, and he doesn't want to have a repeat of last season's disaster, which saw him knocked out by little-known team Uncos Racing on bump day. With a limited number of Chevrolet rides available, Alonso and his team will be scrambling to find anything. The only options for Alonso at the moment appears to be slim to none. I'm sure he doesn't want to run for Carlin Racing again after last season's disaster, Ed Carpenter Racing is full with Connor Daly, rookie Renus VK, and Ed Carpenter. And then you look at AJ Foyt Racing, and they're already going to be running three cars with Tony Kanaan, Charlie Kimball, and rookie Dalton Kelly. Obviously, we don't know for certain that Alonzo running the Indy 500 for Andretti is officially over yet. However, it looks very bleak to say the least. I wouldn't be surprised if he only wants to run for a competitive team, and all of those Chevy rides are occupied. The only feasible option in terms of running with a competitive team is with Aero McLaren Schmidt-Peterson. But the problem with that is even if they wanted him to run their third car, Alonso already cut his ties with McLaren in January. There's no going back on that. And unfortunately for Alonso, that move might have cost him a shot at completing the Triple Crown in motorsports, which is the F1 Formula 1 Grand Prix, the 24 Hours of Le Mans, and the Indy 500 for at least one more season. And as we all know, James Henchcliffe is out at Aero McLaren Schmidt-Peterson, and Aero McLaren is going with the youth factor in Oliver Askew and Patricio Award in 2020. Last season's Indy Lights champion Oliver Askew will take over the number seven, replacing Marcus Erickson. And then Pato Award will take over in his first full season in IndyCar, piloting Hinchcliffe's old ride. Co-owner Sam Schmidt and McLaren CEO Zach Brown also suggested and stated that there is a third car reserved for Robert Wickens when he's ready to come back. I won't get on my soapbox just this time because of the whole Hinchcliffe-Aero-McLaren fallout, 
because it's old news now and it's just in the past, so I'll ignore it for now. So with that, I really love what the team did in terms of cleaning house. Starting off, adding McLaren and their prestigiousness in open-wheeled racing as a whole is a major move that will pay big dividends immediately. That'll help with filling in those holes of inconsistency that's plagued Aeroschmidt-Peterson for the past several seasons. It just makes complete sense to start fresh and young with the driver lineup with rookie Oliver Askew and second-year driver Pato Award. Askew last year had one heck of a 2019 Indy Light season, which included seven wins, seven poles, and an average finish of 2.6, and of course, a championship. On the flip side, back in 2018, Patricio Award crushed the Indy Light series as he nabbed nine wins, nine poles, and an average finish of 2.4. This past season, Award ran seven races with Carlin Racing, which included an impressive eighth-place showing at Circuit of the Americas. He then moved over to Red Bull to complete in Formula 2, where he was looking to move his way up to, into Formula 1. That wasn't meant to be, so Red Bull released him, and then Aero McLaren snatched him up full-time for this season. Both drivers come in with a lot of motivation and a lot to prove. Most importantly, for Askew and Award, they know how to win races. And lots of them. I won't be surprised if the team as a whole kind of struggled coming out of the gates a little bit this season, just because they still need to work on getting those kinks out and figuring out communication and what works for the, each of the drivers and what doesn't in terms of setting up the car. But I believe, come summertime, the team is going to start flexing their muscles and be a top 10 team consistently. And while we're talking about Aero McLaren Schmidt-Peterson, former driver James Hinchcliffe secures a sponsor for at least the entire month of May in cloud customer experience tech company Genesis. The story of how this whole sponsorship for Hinchcliffe came to be, Hinchcliffe literally got a direct message on Instagram from an employee at Genesis, and then that led to a business plan emails, which then led to a commitment from both sides. Genesis has a very large business presence in Indianapolis, and according to Hinchcliffe, they said, The story about how things evolved for me at the end of the 2019 season sort of struck a chord with them, and they wanted to make good in something that they say as, well, not good. With the news of Fernando Alonso not being able to get the clearance to race the Indy 500 with Andretti, I would think that Hinch would be their number one choice. He started off his career there for three seasons, and Honda is their engine manufacturer, well, so Hinchcliffe has a strong relationship with them, and it would be an overall great fit that would springboard the mayor of Hinchtown into more seat time this season, and even a potential full-time ride for the 2021 season. Hinchcliffe did mention in an article with the Indy Star that he firmly expects to be in a full-time seat in 2021. He said, I think we're building toward a situation that is really going to check all those boxes, and I'm getting pretty excited about it. And just one other quick note to mention from earlier today, three minutes after Aero McLaren Schmidt-Peterson unveiled their fresh liveries to the public for the first time, Hinchcliffe posted a video which was another installment of his new branding slogan, hashtag challenge accepted. The video included clips from his days at Aero McLaren SPM, and he finished off the video by saying, in quote, this is just the next chapter. His new sponsor, Genesis, was also included in the video. And to be honest, I actually kind of like this. It was a little bit of a shot thrown at Aero McLaren and just moments after their unveiling of the livery. So I believe Hinchcliffe is as motivated as he's ever been. And I'll tell you one thing about James Hinchcliffe. He's resilient. There is nothing that's going to stop him from reaching any of his goals. And I know his main goal, win the Indianapolis 500 and win at his home track in Toronto. 
So I believe, you know, if Hinchcliffe can get with the right team, he could be a real threat come May. And, you know, if he, I know he had mentioned before that he wants to run Toronto besides, you know, the month of May in total, but, you know, with a little bit more sponsorship with Genesis. And I believe Genesis going forward is going to be his main, his, his main partner going forward. And, you know, I would love to see if Hinchcliffe could, get, could add a couple more races as the season goes on if he's able to compete extremely well. But we'll have to keep tabs on that, on where he officially will drive for at least the month of May. And moving on, Colton Herta will pilot the number 88 Honda for the newly united Andretti Harding Steinbrenner Autosport for the 2020 season. Man, there's a lot of long names. Steinbrenner is, I'll tell you one thing, Steinbrenner is an interesting name to try and say sometimes, especially if you're a little bit hungry or, you know, you're lacking a little bit of water. Man, whew, it's a little bit a little bit interesting. But hey, anyway, via Robin Miller of Racer Magazine, Herda was very close to becoming the lead driver for a uh, McLaren-Andretti alliance in 2020. McLaren CEO Zach Brown made Andretti a very generous offer to resume the partnership they started in 2017 with Fernando Alonso at Indianapolis. Because of the ill feelings between McLaren and Honda, Andretti would have had to switch to a Chevrolet. And I am really excited to see Herta improve on his impressive 2019 rookie campaign. Herta proved this past season that he could be competitive and smart, and he would wind up winning two races. I feel he might emerge like Alexander Rossi did with Andretti back in 2017, and I wouldn't be surprised if Herta was able to give Rossi a run for his money just to be the top dog at Andretti Autosport. Believe it or not, Herta should absolutely be considered a title threat in 2020. The kid can flat out wheel a race car, and he's only going to continue to improve going forward, especially with full technical support from Andretti. In other news, Charlie Kimball is back in the series full-time with AJ Foyt Racing and backing from Novo Nordisk. Kimball was able to run seven races in 2019 for Carlin Racing with a best finish of 10th in Pocono in Portland. It's good to see Charlie Kimball back. You know, he had a struggle of a season last year, only being able to run a handful of the races, but he took the time, you know, to just do some searching and to get the, just to get the money he needed to uh, go full-time racing again, and I'm excited to see what Charlie Kimball can do with AJ Foyt Racing in 2020. On the flip side, at Carlin Racing right now, they had just retained Max Chilton for 2020 today, as it was announced that Chilton will only drive for the 12 road and street courses, along with the 104th running of the Indy 500. And the driver that will run the remaining oval races will be announced at a later date. Last season, Max Chilton stepped away from ovals full-time and vowed to only run the road and street courses on the schedule. No driver has been named yet to drive the other entry out of Carlin in the number 23. However, that will be announced before testing begins next Tuesday at Coda. One of the more surprising moves of the 2020 offseason, Marcus Erickson landed a full-time ride with Chip Ganassi Racing. It was announced back in October, and yeah, it's been one of the most surprising moves in recent memory. 
Eriksson will now join fellow second-year Swedish competitor Felix Rosenquist and a long-time five-time IndyCar champion Scott Dixon. Eriksson moves over from Aero SPM, which obviously merged with McLaren in the offseason. In mid-January, Chip Ganassi Racing also announced that Eriksson's main sponsor will be Husky Chocolate, a chocolate company based out of Eriksson's home country in Sweden. Well, first off, I'm excited about the chocolate. I, I got to go to as many races as possible, even if it's just for the free chocolate. I mean, come on, guys. Chip Ganassi Racing, uh, Marcus Ericsson, come on, guys. You got to give me a little bit of chocolate, hand it out, because I'm sure that chocolate in Sweden is bombing. I'll tell you that. I cannot wait. They better be handing something out, or I'm going to be a little bit irritated. But anyway, Ericsson, who raced in Formula One for five seasons, showed flashes of what he could become in his first season in IndyCar last year. It was hard to get a good read on him, especially with the fact that Aero SPM had become notorious for just not bringing consistently good cars to the track on a weekly basis. Ericsson notched three top tens, including one podium result in the second race in Detroit. One thing that stood out to me with Ericsson was the fact that he seemed to thrive on ovals. Before his spin in the Indy 500, he was running solidly in the top ten, and I believe he had also gotten up to 6th or 7th in the running order before that crash going down pit road. And then at Texas, Erickson drove a smart, clean race, and he avoided all the carnage that Texas brings every year, and he managed to bring it home in seventh. In Iowa, Erickson ran top 10 all race long and ended up just one spot out of the top 10 in 11th. We haven't seen the best out of Marcus Erickson yet, and if Chip Ganassi decided to swoop in and add him to the caliber team that he has, Erickson could be in for an outstanding season. Tony Kanaan announced last week that 2020 will be his last season as a primary driver in the IndyCar series. Kanaan will run five oval races beginning with the Indy 500, and then he'll run Texas, Richmond, Iowa, and then his final race of his IndyCar career, Gateway. Kanaan said during his press conference last week that, I walked into the sport as a 23-year-old with lots of hopes and dreams, and I can say, without a doubt, that I accomplished everything that I wanted. I'm 45 now. I have fans, wins, podiums, recorded a championship, and an Indy 500. I'm not done with racing, that's for sure. I decided that this year I would step back a bit and enjoy these five races, have time for my family and my fans, and also give back to the sponsors that always stood by me. Kanan did leave the door open for future Indy 500 appearances. He said, I'd love to still be involved with IndyCar to some degree. I've also had offers to race in a number of different series, but that's not my priority at the moment. And with that announcement, Sebastian Bourdais was also mentioned, and he will run four races, including the opener at St. Petersburg, Barber Motorsports Park, Long Beach, and Portland. And it was also mentioned that rookie Dalton Kellett will make his IndyCar debut at Circuit of the Americas while also running the Indy Grand Prix and the Indy 500 as a third entry for AJ Foyt Racing. He'll run both the Duel and Detroit races, Toronto, Mid-Ohio, and Laguna Seca. Kellett spent his past four seasons in Indy Lights. I mean, I just got to say, for Tony Kanaan, he's been one of the most joyful, just joyful drivers just to watch on a weekly basis. He's just one of the most down-to-earth drivers that you could ever meet. And just for Kanaan, you know, I don't want to see him leave because he's just been a, a centerpiece in this sport for, how, for like just so many years. I commend him for that. Kanaan's been nothing but good to all the sponsors, all the fans, and to just all the teams that he's driven for and he'll just go down as one of the best to ever do it. I thank you, Tony Kanan, for just being a 
positive role model for so many people and always taking the time for any fan out there. We all greatly appreciate you. In other news, Santino Ferrucci moves to the number 18 Dale Coyne Vassar Sullivan Honda for 2020. He was promoted to be the team's number one guy after four-time champion Sebastian Bourdais was released by Dale Coyne. I've been extremely high on Ferrucci after last season, and I firmly believe he could be the next big star in the series. And honestly to me, he's a more tempered and laid-back Takuma Sato. With Sato's motto, no attack, no chance, you're either going to be coming home with a winning car or leaving the track with half the car destroyed. When it comes to Ferrucci, he knows when to be aggressive, and when he is, the kid is just straight up lethal. He'll push the issue when needed, and he has zero fear. Ferrucci is also extremely smart when it comes to making split-second decisions on the track. Last season, Ferrucci was able to complete over 97% of the laps, which was ranked third highest in the series. He really began to flex his muscles beginning at the Indianapolis 500, where he drove his Honda from 23rd to 7th while narrowly missing a big accident, which saw NASCAR legend Dale Earnhardt Jr. on the NBC broadcast commend Ferrucci for his evading tactics. Ferrucci was able to notch 7 top 10 finishes and an average finish of 12.8. Obviously, Ferrucci has some learning to do, but the most exciting thing about him is he's just scratching the surface to what he can develop into as a driver. And then in other Dale Coyne Racing news, Alex Pillow will take over the number 19 Dale Coyne Racing with Team Go Honda full-time. The 22-year-old Spaniard raced in American open-wheel racing this past season. Pillow made a big splash in the Japanese Super Formula Series last season on a seven-race schedule as well. So he won one race, notched three poles, and finished third in the standings. Pillow tested with Dale Coyne Racing at Mid-Ohio back in July of 2019. Pillow's partner in Team Go won the 24 Hours of Le Mans with Audi in 2004. Dreyer and Reinbold Racing is expanding their program, and they tabbed Sage Karam to run a handful of races in 2020. The team is committed to competing in at least four races, which they haven't done since they ran five back in 2013 with Oriole Servia. Their goal is to become a full-time team again, and they last ran a full-time schedule in 2012, alluding to financial woes the following season. Team owner Dennis Reinbold told Racer Magazine that he plans to run the opener in St. Pete, the Indianapolis Road Course, the Indy 500, and the streets of Toronto. Sage Karam is set to run all the races in the number 24 Chevrolet for the team, while J.R. Hildebrand is rumored to be back in the number 48 for at least the Indy 500. The two-car team could add more races in their schedule, depending on how their schedule of races unfold. Moving on, Dragon Speed expands to a six-race program, including St. Petersburg, Long Beach, the Indianapolis 500, Texas, Mid-Ohio, and Laguna Seca. Ben Hanley was officially named the driver for at least St. Petersburg, and he could be nominated to race more. There is also a possibility that more than one driver will compete in the number 81 Chevrolet this season. Jack Harvey will run full-time for Meyer Shank Racing in 2020. Sponsors AutoNation and Sirius XM will be their main partners for the season. Meyer Shank Racing will be sticking with Honda as their engine supplier, as they partnered with Andretti Autosport for technical support, so it's basically like what Harding Steinbrenner did with Andretti last season, or what Meyer Shank did with Aero SPM last season as well. Oh, wow. 
Connor Daly lands with Ed Carpenter Racing for 13 races in 2020. On December 9th, it was announced that Daly would run all 12 road and street courses, as well as the Indy 500 in the number 20 for Ed Carpenter Racing. Daly's road to ECR wasn't easy by any stretch. After two years of driving for five different teams in various races part-time, Daly found the sponsorship needed in the U.S. Air Force. Last season, Daly impressed in limited time after Max Chilton sat out for the rest of the ovals as Daly ran consistently around the top 10 in underfunded equipment. He was also able to notch his best Indy 500 finish with Andretti Autosport in 2019 with a 10th place finish. I absolutely love this move by Ed Carpenter Racing. There's really nobody more deserving than Connor Daly. Daly hasn't been able to stay with the team for more than a season, and it's left him bouncing around the paddock without being able to really grow and develop with any team. This past season showed me how much he wanted to be in a full-time ride, especially after going into May with just one race on his schedule with Andretti, and then getting thrown into the gauntlet with a team he's never raced for in Carlin at Texas Motor Speedway, where you're going upwards of 220 miles per hour. He was able to land a couple more races with Carlin, slowly but surely building more chemistry every single time. Then he was thrusted into the number 7 Aero SPM ride last minute after Marcus Erickson was called to be a relief driver in Formula 1 for Alfa Romeo. Daly was determined to jump into any ride possible because for him, it meant another opportunity to prove his worth in the sport. Daly now has the opportunity to drive for the best team he's ever driven with, and I firmly believe he's going to make some noise in 2020. Ed Carpenter Racing now has the best talent they've had since Joseph Newgarden nearly won a championship for them back in 2016. Daly paid his dues and worked his tail off. 2020 is the year he notches his first career win and solidifies himself as a force to be reckoned with going forward. And then on the flip side with Ed Carpenter Racing, Renus VK will replace Spencer Piggott in the number 21. VK's rise to the NTT IndyCar Series was fairly quick. He moved into the United States from the Netherlands back in 2017, and in the three years since then, he's finished second in the 2017 USF 2000 standings, won the 2019 Indy Pro 2000 Championship, and second in the 2019 Indy Lights Championship. Carpenter's move to add VK full-time hasn't received a whole lot of buzz, however, the 19-year-old has moved up to the series so quickly for a reason. Just from his three seasons moving up the IndyCar farm system ladder, he's proven to be quick at adapting and thriving in the situation he's put in. I would definitely look for VK down the stretch of the season as he gets more comfortable with the challenge of IndyCar. And then the final driver change of the season, James Davison will attempt to run both the Indianapolis 500 and NASCAR's Daytona 500 later this month. Jonathan Bird's racing will help to fuel Davison a car for both entries, but more announcements will be made in the next couple weeks. It'll be Davison's first Daytona 500 attempt and his sixth Indianapolis 500. Davison is best remembered for his heroic Indy 500 effort in 2017, filling in for an injured Sebastian Bourdais, starting from dead last in the field, and then driving his car all the way up to the lead in a road course car. Unfortunately, his effort would come to an end prior to 10 laps to go. Ah, it is now time for bold predictions for 2020. My first one is there will be 10 different winners this season. Last season, there were seven different winners, which included all of Team Penske, Alexander Rossi, Scott Dixon, Takuma Sato, and rookie Colton Herta. I would expect the majority of this list above to notch at least one victory, 
However, I feel there will at least be five other drivers that could find their way into this conversation. The ones that quickly come to mind include Ryan Hunter-Reay, Graham Rahal, and Felix Rosenquist. Hunter-Reay was boomer bust last season, and he'd find himself either running for a podium spot or he'd have problems and end up near the back of the field. A driver of Hunter-Reay's caliber should be considered a threat on a weekly basis, and if he and the team are able to run more consistently, he could wind up in victory lane. Next, there's Graham Rahal. Rahal had a solid stretch down the summer months last season where he had eight consecutive finishes inside the top 10. However, he was never really able to be a serious threat to win races. With teammate Takuma Sato having arguably his best season last year, I would expect Rahal and the entire team to improve, and I could see him as a threat at places like Mid-Ohio, which is his home track, Barber Motorsports Park, Long Beach, Texas, and Detroit, just to name a few. Looking at last year's Rookie of the Year, Felix Rosenquist, he really began to turn it on towards the latter part of the season, as he began to get a true feel of racing in the series. Going toe-to-toe with teammate Scott Dixon that arguably Dixon's best track in mid-Ohio was a sign of things to come for Rosenquist. With a full season under his belt and another off-season at Ganassi, I wouldn't be surprised if Rosenquist rises to the level of championship contender. The next set of drivers I'll mention are guys I feel could be underrated surprise to break through for a win in 2020. That list includes Marcus Erickson, Connor Daly, Santino Ferrucci, and Jack Harvey. Starting off with Erickson, I feel that there could be a bit of a learning curve for him, especially with getting adjusted with Chip Ganassi Racing, but I could see him thriving and competing for podiums during the latter part of the season. With a season under his belt, Erickson could be a surprise winner and show his true potential that he never got to show in Formula 1. I am extremely excited to see what Connor Daly, Santina Ferrucci, and Jack Harvey can do this season. Daly finally has good equipment and great people around him. Even though he's not running the full schedule, what he showed last year is very promising, and he could easily be a dark horse for the Indy 500. Obviously, everyone knows how I've been high on Ferrucci this past season, and I firmly believe that he can make the leap to be a top 5 driver week in and week out. The consistency needs to get there, but that'll come with more experience and maturity. Now moving to Jack Harvey, he really intrigues me. He was able to show flashes of what he could be in only 10 races last year, including 4 top 10s and his first career podium at the Indy GP. Harvey showed speed in the majority of the races he entered in. However, bad luck plagued the entire team from being higher up in the running order in some races. Harvey has always seemed to fly under the radar than most drivers, but I think with Meyer Shank Racing officially making the move to run the full schedule, Harvey can consistently progress and continue to make major strides. And my final bold prediction, Alexander Rossi will win the 2020 NTT IndyCar Series Championship. Rossi's been denied in the last two seasons for a championship, despite putting up multiple wins in both of those years. Every driver has an on switch once they put their helmet on and strap into a race car. However, Rossi's figurative switch is simply terrifying on track. If you listen to any of the in-car audio of Rossi during a race, there's always determination and anger in his voice. His drive and desire to win is like no one I have ever seen. He's never satisfied, and the last thing you ever want to see behind you is that blue Napa Honda. He's going to outmuscle you for every position because he's simply that good, and he knows it. Some fans complain that Rossi doesn't have a personality like other drivers, and he's not as personable. Could he be more open and not as serious to people during the course of a race weekend? Yeah, sure. 
but Rossi's so laser-focused on his job over the weekend that he's not going to let anything or anyone break that concentration. Rossi's paid his dues and come up short for two consecutive seasons. I believe he's finally going to break through and earn his first career championship. That's about all I have for today. It's been a packed episode. Hopefully you guys didn't get too bored. But anyway, you know, we will be back after the first race of the season, which is St. Pete. So uh, be looking out for that. Uh, before I go, make sure to follow this podcast on Twitter at Behind Catch and Instagram at Behind underscore the underscore fence. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you guys later.